Check, check, one, two. Well, I'm going to tell you that this is Garage Logic Podcast number 120, March 20, 2019. 79 degrees on that delightful spring of 2012 on this day. 15 below in 1875. We're brought to you by the Knack uh, Hardware and Lounge. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic. With Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the Newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your Flashlight King, Fireworks Commissioner, and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Souchere. We have to put a time limit. No, no, I have short, fat fingers, and you are the—you are not a bad waiter. You're by far the worst waiter no. I've ever seen in my lifetime. No, you are the—we are the worst. It's not what I was going to say. Oh. There has to be a time limit on you wearing this germ-infested, made-up remedy on your supposedly bent finger. Either go get the damn thing fixed, or don't come in here anymore. With your uh, Dr. Strangelove metal device on your finger. I had to go to Walgreens. Oh, God help me. Please, God. What did I do wrong? No. What did I do wrong? I went to Walgreens on the way into work today when I bought the M&M's. Did you have to get ointment? No, not ointment, but look what I got. I got a tubular gauze. <laughs> and I got a new finger splint. <laughs> and this isn't... It's not stinky. Here, smell. You know that this is the uh, belly button. This is the first day of spring at about five o'clock this afternoon. Yes. Royal order of the twenty firsters have mixed emotions. Yes. You know, in some respects, it begins to go downhill, but not really until June twenty first. But this is a delightful uh, day on the calendar, and there's a third supermoon tonight, the last supermoon of the year. Did you know that? Uh, the last several mornings, the dog I have had to go, had to go out at about five thirty in the morning, and there was a beautiful uh, moon set. Well, tonight it'll be the full moon, and this month's super moon is also special because it coincides with the spring equinox. Uh, the full moon occurs at nine forty three p.m. Eastern Daylight Time tonight, so we get it at eight forty three p.m. Right? Yes. This is the last full super moon. Of the year, I don't think I, I could possibly uh, follow this up. I bet I'll be able to see it. The Native Americans called March's moon, which one? March's. Uh, the full worm moon, worm. because the ground usually begins to thaw at this time of year, and the worms worm casts appear. It is sometimes called the full sap moon, because uh, the sap begins to flow in the uh, maple trees. It does. It, you, you walk outside, it, it just it feels better. And you know. I continue to hope, I think we're getting the desired uh, slow melt, although uh, uh, flood preparations are, are, are seriously underway. Mm-hmm. Henderson, Minnesota, for example. I know uh, Marshall Way, they're already, they're already, they've got the, I saw the big, the big high marks of sand and whatnot, but yeah, there, there, there are some problematic areas already. Uh, Sanibel Jim's been a bit cranky lately because apparently it's been a little cooler and raining on Sanibel oh, Island no. in Florida. no. And he uh, he wrote this yesterday. If we break the law and get our child into college illegally, we are disgraced and charged with a crime and put in jeopardy of incarceration. They are disgraced and possibly expelled from the school. 
If someone breaks the law and brings their child into the U.S. illegally, they all get free education, housing, food, medical care, legal care, etc. They also garner adoration, sympathy, love, and praise for their courage. Go figure. How does this work? Doomed, Joe. Doomed. We're doomed. Well, he wasn't done. He wasn't done. Holy crap. The discussion about Dick Dale was incredibly bad. His influence on rock and roll guitar was remarkable. Your guys who pat themselves on the back for their music acumen really fell short on this one, and that's unusual. In his day, Dale's major hit version of Miserlou spawned covers by the Beach Boys, the Ventures, the Trashmen, and more. Future punks were taking notes. Every time the Cramps, the Ramones, or Agent Orange abused a volume dial by turning it to 11 or a reverb tank, their debt to the king of the surf guitar was dominant. And his rendition rendition of Miserlou left an indelible impact on Generation X in 1994 when it's riff, you used the word iconic there, Sanibel, I'm saving you by not saying it, when it's riff <laughs> rang out over the opening credits to the incredible movie hit Pulp Fiction. All right, damn guys, pay some respect to one of the musicians who influenced rock music. Didn't Johnny brought that up, didn't he? The Pulp Fiction angle? Well, you know, we're, he did. we're fair game for the critics. Yeah. We're fair game for the critics. And I'll defend John in this regard. I think John did speak glowingly about him, but Kenny said he wasn't a nice guy. Yeah. Wasn't that the the gist? Because well, I don't know anything about Dick Kenny, Day. You know, Kenny has issues. I think Johnny Hyde said he didn't smile much. Yeah. But I don't think he took anything away from the the kind of influence he had. Kenny has issues. Yeah, to say the least. He really does. Here's a fellow who wants a hat ruling, all right? Because in GL, you may not wear a hat indoors. That's right. This fellow's name is Jeff Johnson. I am looking for a hat ruling. I am 62 years old and have been raised to take my hat off indoors. But the world has changed. I used to have about 50 ties and a dozen button-down shirts. I now have zero ties and one button-down shirt. I'm not so sure that I need to know that. Yeah, I don't care what's in your closet. I have three sport coats that I consider James Rockford coats that I can wear with anything more like a jacket. The wife doesn't always agree regarding the hat. I have a couple of stylish urban cowboy-type hats that I wear to keep the sun off my head as I am susceptible to heat stroke and in cold weather any kind of hat keeps the head warm. I've always taken the hats off when I go inside, even to, even into a bar or restaurant. But age 62, I have a hair problem. I am not nearly as balding as Joe and Pat. Oh, shot. <laughs> what a shot. That's a, I'm not, not that, that balding. I'm not that balding. You still got a lot of hair. We tease you, but you still hung on to a lot of hair. I got more than Pat. Yeah, more than your brother, John. More than all my brothers. All, really? I am not nearly as balding as Joe and Pat, but I am getting there. If I remove my hat, I need to make a beeline to the men's room and try to fix my long and thin hair. <laughs> I consider fixing my hair a woman's thing. I think a real man in that situation just leaves the hat on. Recently, I took my wife out on her, wife out on her birthday to an informal restaurant, prepared to leave my hat on. She didn't say anything. We've been married 43 years. So her ruling was clearly that I did the right thing. I paid attention to the men in the restaurant, and about one out of ten had hats on. They were all young men under 40, maybe all under 30. The hats were stocking caps, it was cold, and ball caps. My hat goes with my dress code uh, decor. Boots, gloves, jeans, and pseudo-western-type coat. Kind of a weak urban cowboy or just outdoors look. I have been loosely mistaken for a short Sam Elliott. So in Garage Logic, can I leave my hat on in an informal bar or restaurant? This is an easy ruling. Absolutely not. 
<laughs> Hell no. Give really? this guy the double Duluth foghorn. You don't get and who cares that you gotta go fix your hair in the men's room, you dilettante. Right. <laughs> Run your hands through it and get it back there and shut the hell up. And take your hat off like a man's supposed to. Is that a good enough ruling for you, Jeff? Wow. Chris, crystal clear. I think that is... Uh... Sometimes it's easy to be the mayor. You don't wear the hat indoors. Ruling with wisdom. Oh, I'm 62 now and I'm worried about my hair. Too bad, buddy. No hats. I was at um, Baker Square on March 14th. Oh, God. On Robert... And um, I was, I had, had. What'd you have? Well, it was Pi Day. Sure. You know, Pi 3.14. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I did notice that an elderly World War II aged veteran went in, sat down, and the first thing he did was take his hat off. Of course and put he it did. On the chair. Of course he did, because he's a man. Yes, yes. And I got French silk pie. Two dollars <laughs> off on Pi Day. Was it? <laughs> Baker Square is still the best out there. I Sorry. will agree with Rook. Hands I down. love pie from Baker Square. Country Apple Supreme, close second to French. You soup. know the Krabby Coffee Shop theme? Uh, and I've met with you people. I have issues with it. Uh, but Dave writes, uh, skip the waterboarding. Put that on a loop at Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> All the intel you could ever hope for. And no pesky torture or war crimes <laughs> accusations. I, you know what? I agree with uh, Dave uh, Tracy who wrote that. That's pathetic. Well, I can't play it today because Kenny's here, not here. But here's the problem. No, we're going to redo that, uh, fans. No, here's the I'm problem. I'm going to redo that. By <laughs> saying that, Kenny's a Kenny's an antagonist, and he's an he's an uh, he'll go completely opposite of what you say. So that's praise for him. We have to pretend we like that and only oh, play it minimally, Rook's right? Because Kenny, if we Ken, know we Ken, don't like it, Kenny didn't write the email. The listener doesn't like it. That's what I'm saying. Though. Yeah, he's saying they could take it in small doses. If, but if it's played 18 times, which Kenny would like, then that's when we're upsetting listeners. So we, since he's not here, we need to do the uh, do the opposite. Uh, do the opposite. It's do ju- you know? Do you know that Federated Insurance tailors its insurance programs to individual they businesses? Have been for a long time. Did you time. know that? I did. Because did I you know that? Show. Federated offers property and casualty life, disability income insurance to businesses in select industries. Their marketing reps get to know you, the owner, and they get to know your operation, and that allows them to customize the coverage you need. Driving, for example, they'll talk to you about auto liability, worried about a cyber attack. Look at the headlines. You better be. You might need data compromise coverage. Your business is unique. You need an insurance carrier who treats it that way, a Minnesota born and bred insurance carrier. Get in touch with a federated insurance marketing representative to see how their second-to-none service can help your business thrive. Because at Federated, it's their business to protect yours. Are you ready for a different point of view? Say, this is Josh Arnold, Mr. Money Talk. I'm here, as always, to answer your questions on stocks, bonds, mutual funds, what you should be doing with your retirement dollars. But, of course, you do have to give me a call at 952-925-5608. With much market volatility on the horizon, you're going to need some help. 
So give me a call at 952-925-5608. You always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice from me, Mr. Money Talk Josh Arnold. I'm here to help you personally set your portfolio to deal with this upcoming volatility. So make a point to give me a call for a no-cost, no-obligation, 48-minute review at 952-925-5608. Investment Advisor Services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Joe Suchere. See what I did there? That was like time. Ah, uh, no hats. And reaffirm the uh, the ruling. This guy doesn't wear hats in Baker Square. <laughs> Rob writes, just back from spring break, and I am catching up on the podcast. Uh, something occurred to me hearing about Alexandria Occasional Cortex's question for the Wells Fargo CEO. After listening to that ninny blather on at the South by Southwest conference, I find it hard to believe she's capable of figuring out who Wells Fargo is or isn't financing. What I want to know is, who is the puppet master behind the curtain? I'm convinced there is a very radical person or people using her as their vehicle to push a very scary agenda. Foghorn scary, please. I find it troubling... I find it troubling that those folks are able to hide in the shadows and continue to utilize her as their useful idiot without being in the public eye. I'm guessing if this were a conservative, we would have a few folks trying to find out and shout from the rooftops who was advising them. Hell, maybe it's already well known and nobody gives a damn. Good luck, Rob. All right. 319 area code. I wonder where that is. Isn't wonder. that Wisconsin? But no, it's not, not that I know. Okay, that's an interesting email. Because it dovetails into something that uh, Reavers and I were talking about before the show. You alerted me. Iowa, 319. Okay. Uh, Reeves, you alerted me uh, to an email uh, from uh, someone advising us to uh, watch a video. I'm going to find her name. On YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I... I uh, I don't take these with a grain of salt. I take them critically. Uh, Rook, there's a couple of pieces of yellow Post-it note by my keyboard. Would you get them for me, please? In other words, the uh, Rob, the emailer, is saying, you know, I look at this uh, Alexandria Cortez, and I, I have my doubts. Uh, she almost seems to be a plant. She almost seems to be... Uh, a play acting. I'm putting words mm-hmm. in the emailer's mouth, but uh, and uh, interestingly enough, interestingly enough, we got an email that I looked at today. Even though Reavers advised me to look at it last night, I didn't get around to it, but I did look at it today, and it's a YouTube uh, video uh, by a guy who calls himself Mr. Reagan. He is a popular. Uh podcast slash youtube channel where he posts 20 minute clips of various things that he and his staff dive into well, that, that's fine but i don't know him from adam no but i'm giving giving a background to the listener and as much as i would love to to get on board with these various conspiracy theories that are driven by the internet and 
in the advent of podcasts mm-hmm, and YouTube mm-hmm. channels and whatnot. I don't know Mr. Reagan from a hill of beans. I don't know why he calls himself Mr. Reagan. Maybe that's a, a tip of conservatism to Ronald Reagan. It is. But I don't even know this guy's real name. Right. Do you? No, I don't. But anyway, he's in this, this might even be taken down by now. But if you want to go see it for yourself, you go to YouTube. And it's called The Brains Behind AOC, mm-hmm. Alexandria Occasional Cortex, only they use her real name. And it's his exact contention, which is why this email from, from Rob uh, was so ironic. It's his exact contention. It's a 23-minute video in which he insists that Occasional Cortex merely answered a casting call put out by a group called Justice Democrats. What are they? Justice Democrats are uh, a uh, extraordinarily mysterious left-wing progressive group calling for free everything, free, okay. free medicine, free food, free education, the whole deal, and that uh, th- this was their plant to get her into the Congress, and that the behind the scenes people are merely engineering her positions, and then she goes out onto the into into Congress and parrots these these things, all of which. Might or might, not, might or might not be true. I can't, I can't give a lot of credence to what's passing for modern journalism because there are no steps of editing that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. There's no fact-checking on a lot of these people. Again, I don't know who Mr. Reagan is, but it's compelling. It's very compelling. I think that could be plausible. Here's why I found it interesting, somewhat believable, and I think worth the time of everyone that listens to this show in particular. It's it is long. It's twenty. I think it's twenty two, twenty two and a half minutes long. Mm-hmm. Which normally I won't sit down and watch that. But the points that this guy, Mister Reagan, is laying out, the only reason I, I started to really buy into it and, and lasted the entire episode is all of the people who were part of this Justice Democrats mm-hmm. organization are now on her staff. That's fine, but the problem is, and I, I, so that, what I'm saying is there, that part of it is is fact. Okay, it, it's very fun. Even it's very tempting to to get on. I looked up the Social Democrats. Mm-hmm. That's a real group, and they do re, they did recruit someone to run. But that's not unusual in politics. Hell, I got a call ten years ago. Would I be interested in running for Congress? And my answer was no. They political parties recruit people, and and groups recruit people to run. So you got to kind of dismiss that one. Uh, the the only thing that really uh, sells it for me that it could be true, and I don't know if it is, is that when she goes off script, that's when you get the audio we played you. That babbling, like you know, stuff. Right. She has not an earthly idea no. what to say mm-hmm. when she goes off script. It is almost as though she is given talking points to go out when she's when she's going to have the microphone right. in Congress. And the minute she gets off those talking points, like down at South by Southwest, she quite literally is a babbling idiot. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I can come on the air and say, she's a plant, she's an actress playing a congresswoman. And here. No, I don't know that. I don't know that. But I will say, because a lot of the comments below that and a lot of the points brought up was, have you ever seen her debate anybody? No, uh, in her run not. against the the uh, old machine Democrat that held the seat for a hundred years, did they have debates? I have no idea. I don't think they did because they couldn't find any video of her debating anyone. Well, probably the- because she was so far out there, nobody thought she was going to win. You know, I don't, I don't like her positions, and I don't like her ideas. I, I think they're 
silly, uh, but I cannot fall into the trap of grasp, and I've never done it in 25 years of live radio. Mm-hmm. I can't fall into the trap of, I mean, there's even certain websites. Chief Offsite Correspondent Kelsey is fond of, of sending me stuff from certain websites that I, I immediately ignored. I delete the email, and I've told him that. There are just certain websites I don't go along with mm-hmm. because I just don't trust them, and I don't find them to be credible. When it comes to this guy, I have no bleeping idea who Mr. Reagan is. And uh, if he's unwilling to to say, my name is John Smith, but I go by the moniker of Mr. Reagan, right. well, I'm not going to place a lot of faith in this guy either. But I will say this. This video that I, I, I showed you and sent to Rook, too, it's been up for 10 days, mm-hmm. and it has nearly 2 million views. Mm-hmm. You can tell that it's... There, there's, there's people behind it, is what I'm trying to but say. But you can also tell that in today's world... Yep. You got to be extremely careful in in cherry picking what you believe. For example, it's very easy to take audio drops of of members of Justice Democrats and create sound bites that make it sound as though yes, we recruited her to act on our behalf in Congress, and and uh, because I can't verify that. See, I don't even need that. Because whatever she's doing is crazy enough for me. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know. I don't need to have it uh, demonstrated to me that she's the puppet of some socialist right. activist group. I Even see, though it would be I, fun, I think. I, I see her behavior, and I don't need anything else. She's a crackpot as far as I'm concerned. What, what this Mr. Reagan fellow seems to have done is set out to demonstrate that she's a uh, crackpot uh, uh, chosen solely for her uh, for her ability to be uh, uh, visual right. a- and attractive and to be a superstar, and she's probably now the most well known congressperson. Oh, without a doubt, maybe in the history of the country, without a doubt, right? I would say so. Okay, so so it's very tempting to buy into a lot of these BS theories. Maybe they're not BS, maybe they are. But it's just ironic that we got an email today from a listener who said, you know, I'm catching up on podcasts, and I listened to her talk to the Wells Fargo CEO, and it occurs to me she had no earthly idea what the hell she was talking about, and she and she doesn't know who Wells Fargo invests in or doesn't invest in. And it makes me wonder, you know, is she just a front for something? And this, And then independent of this email... Uh, I discover this uh, YouTube video by this fellow calling himself Mr. Reagan. He's got a coffee cup on his desk with Reagan's mug on it, you know, his face on it. And uh, all these things are out there. They're out there all the time. We live in a strange time. Now, repeat the name, the the, the title of it, if people want to see it. It's if called... People want to go see it for yourself. And if I'm surprised it hasn't been deleted. Cause it's, oh, I'm it, not. It, why? Why would it be deleted? Because YouTube is a leftist propaganda machine. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I thought you meant because it might be... No. Okay, I got what you're saying. No, I, if it's still up there, it's called The Brains Behind AOC, and the guy's name is Mr. Reagan, spelled as in Ronald Reagan. Here's you, wh- you go look for yourself. I'm, I'm withholding judgment. Here's why it won't be deleted, in my opinion. Okay. It's it's at 2 million hits in 10 days. Oh, okay. I why would you. YouTube want to take I, it down? I get you. I get you. Because it's it it, it feeds their it machine. They're finding it good for business. Absolutely, the they're finding it good for business. Now, but in in 2019, because the cynic in me kept forcing myself to stay with this yesterday afternoon and keep continuing to watch it. Yeah. 
I don't doubt for a second that what was the movie? The Manchurian Candidate. Manchurian Candidate. I don't doubt for a second that that's happening right now mm-hmm. in any seat, left or right, in in Washington. Wow. Well, I'd be more interested to learn that that Ilhan Omar is a front for some. That's why I'm telling you to keep watching. Keep, it. I, because, I will finish this because she's she plays a role in this particular video, mm-hmm. which is why I sent it to you guys. And Joe's a bad waiter. <laughs> well, I watch eight minutes of it, and then you know it's uh, we're getting it's beginning to roll vibe. tape time, and I'll, I'll probably I did right. forward to myself at home where I can watch it at length, and uh, I, I'm not sure anything will change my mind. My point is, we live in dangerous times, trying to sort out what it is we're supposed to believe and what it is that we're not. We've been we've had this discussion before. Mm-hmm. What was the topic we were talking about? That life uh, is. It really is. But what was the topic we were talking about? It came up about two weeks ago, and we were being asked to believe something that with our own eyes we saw. Oh, was it the uh, the, the, the Covington kids? Covington kids the or Covington the, the climate guy? The climate guy that uh, the lilac bush? No. The Covington kids is a good example. Uh, consumers of the news, the initial news reports of the Covington kids, were being told to believe that these were uh, privileged racist kids and that their behavior on the Washington Mall was was uh, harmful to a Native American fellow and, and on and on and on and on and on. None of it was true. None of it was true. To the point where uh, the CNN and the Washington Post and what have you are facing lawsuits. Really Huge lawsuits. big lawsuits. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> Lawsuits that have some, um, some up, some oomph, yeah, yeah, some oomph. Just like the lady in Oakland who's filing a uh, five hundred billion dollar lawsuit against higher education. Boy, <laughs> the lawyers wish they would settle out of court, huh? Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Anyway, uh, it's funny we got that email and uh, we were we were determined. I was determined not to ever talk about occasional cortex. But she's the face of the Democratic Party, and I think we keep we keep going back to this point. But when I watched it, the sec the first thing I thought of when it's complete is if this more things like this, if it's proven to be true, mm-hmm. he's Trump's going to get reelected. If more things like this keep surfacing, well, he should compared to these nutcases because this I mean, is he's the a face. nutcase of a different kind. This is now the face of the Democratic Party. She and Ilhan Omar are the are your Democratic Party. Well, but and then, that plays well in a city like St. Paul, I would imagine, in Minneapolis. Sure. That's playing well the closer you get to the country's tallest buildings. Mm-hmm. It doesn't play well with me. But then aren't you talking down the road presidential for the presidential election, a split Democrat, because the real ones don't want to go that far. And those uh, Bernie Sanders types and Cortez types are pulling those guys way too far left. Knowing but, full well that that's what's going to get Trump elected. Here's why I don't think I think the Democratic Party would be smart enough not to make her the candidate. It, it you know long term because she there's no chance she could stand in front of someone and debate. No, she's too she's she's, she's not, too stupid. She's not very bright. No, well, based on what I've heard her say, she's not very bright. No, she's not at all. And they probably know that already. Like we can't. Put her out there Among against. the claims that this Mr. Reagan makes, whoever, again, whoever the hell he is, is that her brother, Occasional Cortex's brother, nominated her for essentially a casting call 
with the Justice Democrats. Well, and she admitted that. You you saw the video of yeah. her saying, my brother's the one that actually submitted my application, mm-hmm. which I found astounding. I did not know that. But Reagan makes it sound like that's unique. And that's not unique. Throughout history, various groups and political parties have sought out people to run on their behalf. Mm-hmm. So that in and of itself is not terribly telling. It's just terribly interesting because... Those of us who are GLers are opposed to the onset of socialism in America. And this is a group that is dedicated to transforming America into a completely socialist situation. Uh, and, and I'm not. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I, I'm clinging to the quaint belief that uh, uh, your individual uh, hard work and your individual accomplishments are what count, uh, rather than a collectivism that will just ultimately be uh, terribly bankrupting. Uh, to all. Even the people who are going to provide the money would have to run out of the money. Truth, Justice, and the Souterrain. Hey, really quick. Your microphone's off, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, we get emails all day throughout the day because people are listening to their show now whenever they want, which is a great function of the Garage Logic podcast. I quite literally just got an email from Arlen. Right. Who couldn't possibly be listening to this particular podcast. When he sent the email. Right. He says, you guys have got to see the YouTube video behind the brains of AOC. It's going to make all of you shake your head. A must see to understand what the Mysterians are up to. That is haunting. Well, again, who sent it? Uh, I th- the guy over there I, in the other room. <laughs> right. I believe the uh, the initial person that made me aware of it, her name is Karen. All right, but who's this? This is Arlen. Okay, what I would just merely suggest is you got to, you know, you got to take these, you got to look at these critically. You, you you can't just automatically assume that everything's put out there on the web today is true. You have when to, do we get to? When, when do you get to what? When do we get to believe it? I want to believe it. I would be all in on that. But you're right. You have to you have to be careful. Well, and let's let's just start with the fact that the guy putting it out doesn't even have a name. And I tried to look on Wikipedia for <laughs> the guy doesn't Mr. even Reagan have a name. Mm-hmm. I need a name. He has a successful uh, thing going on YouTube though, because mm-hmm. that's not the only Why one. Why are he's we done. on YouTube? Why are we? Why aren't we? Do you want me to stay married? <laughs> Why? It's well, it it it, it uh, you can be. We 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 might eventually. Um, it's going to be. A, we're going to need a few more staff members if that's going to happen. That's a point. big deal to be on it's, YouTube. It's it's a lot more work. Yeah. And then we're what about get... if we just put the podcast on video? Forget YouTube. You just access us uh, through our website. How about this? Same thing. Done. Boom. I'm looking it up now. There's Joe. <laughs> He's talking about AOC. It's a lot of being work. A justice. We might. Democrat. You know what though? It, well, we God might forbid get there. We'd want to do any work. Yeah, that's a little. I think it's a little might too have much. cut into your lunchtime, boys. A little too much effort. I didn't even finish my club today. The day before a brand new Lion Air jet crashed into the sea shortly after taking off from Indonesia's capital city last fall, likely due to an, to an equipment malfunction, 
An off-duty pilot reportedly helped save the aircraft when it began to dive. The extra pilot was on the flight from Bali to Jakarta and was seated in the cockpit jump seat when the crew in the Boeing 737 MAX struggled to control the aircraft, a Bloomberg reported on Tuesday. During the flight, the jet displayed unusual variations in altitude and airspeed in the first several minutes, Reuters previously reported. Some of those variations included an 875-foot drop over eight, over 27 Jeez. seconds when the plane would typically be ascending before stabilizing and flying on to Jakarta. As the jetliner was in a dive, the extra pilot figured out what was wrong and told the crew how to disable a malfunctioning flight controls flight control system to save the aircraft. Two people familiar with Indonesia's investigation told Bloomberg. The crew was told to cut power to the motor, causing the plane's nose to dive down, which is part of a checklist that all pilots are required to memorize. Uh, Hours later, with a different crew on board, the same plane, the exact same plane this extra pilot was on, crashed into the Java Sea after takeoff, killing all 189 aboard. I only bring this up because I've I've been paying peripheral attention to this story of the 737 MAX 8. And it just struck me as hard to believe that Boeing would put out a defective product. Uh, uh, it's, sure. Uh, yeah. Considering how, how many products they put out, yes. What I've always said about uh, the way the media, the way the news gathering institutions now cover stories of severe turbulence, for example, yep. or uh, severe dives that pilots managed to mm-hmm. pull the plane out of, I'm always amazed at the integrity of the airplane. The, the wings don't fall off. Right. You the, get these people who land and say, I'm going to sue. I hit my head on the overhead bin, and this plane had vi-. Aren't you amazed, people, that you're alive and that the plane withstood all this stuff? Mm-hmm. This, so it's hard for me. I know humans are fallible, and and it, it, it could be that Boeing created a plane with a software problem they might fix, but it seems to me— that this pilot knew what to do. Did he get some kind of training that that wasn't made available? Did the pilots not get enough training? This is a brand new uh, right, plane right. introduced to various fleets. Did the pilots not get the training? Uh, and how did that how did that happen going on down the line from the moment of manufacture to the release of the plane to the new customer? How could it be? How could Boeing make that mistake? True, because the, the cockpits would from Boeing would be generally the same. And if there were new additions or extras like this feature, you'd think that would be the first thing covered. Hey, everything's the same on the 737 MAX I mean, before, except the new feature here. Before these planes get delivered... They're tested endlessly right. by Boeing's pilots. Well, Boeing's pilots must have known how to fly it. So what? remind me, what, what this, was the feature? In both cases, this airplane porpoised, yeah. and the pilots were unable to get control. The it's pilot, basically the, the computer the plane, took over. The plane that was porpoising that happened to have this uh, off-duty pilot in a jump seat, he said, hey, 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 turn that... Thing, turn that switch to this position. Boom, they flew to Jakarta. No problem. The problem seems to be that not all the pilots have gotten that message. Right. And that's that's what I'm saying is if there is a new feature where that uh, computer is going to overtake, which is what those the computer was saying, 
go down. The pilots were saying go up. So they were fighting with it. And that's how they eventually lost. Except in this case, that pilot said hit uh, 12B, put that to the middle toggle, and it, it killed it. But that didn't help the pilot. In other words, other it might very well be that it's a perfectly safe and suitable aircraft. I, like Are you, you going to get on one? So. Now I would. He will be the seventh guy. We have had six tests. No, no, I would now because this is obviously going to be taken care of. No one will pilot a 737 MAX 8 now without knowing what to do. But you're right. Why wouldn't all of the pilots that were flying this, why would they not have all had that information? Uh that I don't know. It's It seems their training for a new aircraft would have been... I have a dark thought, but it's ridiculous. Okay. Come on, why not? Well, well okay. Well, let's Conspiracy to, Thursday. You can put it out there, but we have Wednesday. to verify Sorry. it before we can... Yeah. But it's ridiculous. Okay. So what I, the hell? I don't think I'll do it. Oh. Come on. You can't tease conspiracy? the audience like that. No, not a conspiracy. What, what if we're beginning to see... And I and I don't believe this. I'm just ineptitude. Mm-hmm. Ineptitude. Oh my God! Uh, Gary uh, was gone. But and these didn't are feel the, right. but these are people who devoted their life to the engineering skills required to put an airplane together. Okay, so, so it's a ridiculous Wait, theory. No, on no, my part. Stop. ridiculous. You, we have how many different pilots that listen to this show? Quite a few. Is that possible? That we're seeing? Maybe it's not necessarily the standards being lowered, but in the case of in the case here. Are we not seeing as many qualified pilots? Well, I, I still want to believe that Boeing is a place where they don't have a bring-your-dog-to-work day. Mm-hmm. Yet what I'm saying? I, I want to believe that once you're in the business of designing airplanes, yep. you, you're, you, you've succeeded the failed academy. You, you've come out of it. With your head on straight. There were no corners cut. Right, there was no right, right. Uh, touchy So I feeling. told you it was a dark theory that's ridiculous. But I do anticipate the day coming when, and I'm seeing it already when I do some banking. I, I'm seeing oh, yeah. I'm seeing some some incompetence that, that just shocks me. Seven, eight. What's after eight? It just shocks me. And, and then, you know, is, is the day coming when you're going to see that in medicine? We're going to see that in law? When you're going to see that in banking? We're probably you're already, already seeing it in education and in that's Congress. Failed. You're seeing it in Congress. You you wow. Greatness is what we should always be striving for. Greatness of achievement right. we should always be striving for. And everyone listening can imagine uh, situations in their own lives where they're seeing a breakdown in this, where they're seeing a breakdown in competence wow. and responsibility and fulfillment. Or it might be... And I'm not... Again, let me repeat. I don't I don't think that's the Boeing situation, but something broke down. In other words, I think the 738 MAX is a plane that's safe. But somehow, the instructions didn't get to these guys. Mm-hmm. Hey, when you start porpoising, it's because you don't have lever B in the right-hand position or whatever. Or it was built the day after Aaron Rodgers threw four interceptions and he was the upset Packer fans. But, I mean, does that, does that even ring? Tr- it's, it's just hard to believe that two brand-new Boeing jetliners crashed within six months of each other for the same reason, for the presumably the same reason, because, because pilots had lost control of the fact that the plane was porpoising. Hmm. Uh. I guess my only answer for that, knowing a whole bunch of pilots, they don't take anything for granted. 
Those guys get out and walk, even if it's 40 below, walk the uh, the perimeter of the plane, check everything. They put the duct tape back on. Yeah, you know, they get know, everything ready. Exactly. Ready. Yeah. Yes. You know, one of my favorite games you were mentioning, kind of not incompetence, but the lowering of standards is p- people trying to make change. It's pretty oh difficult God. for a lot of people. Oh, my God. I had a kid this morning. I was getting gas, and he he kind of looked. And I thought, oh God, he doesn't. He doesn't know. He doesn't know what to you do. You didn't here. do the prepaid drive off, did you? Where you paid for no. it and then drove away? <laughs> what was that? Before was you that, put it in. Was that Bobby? Okay. Yeah, we had some of you call us. Bobby, the put the went in and prepaid and then drove off without putting drive the gas. In. Got his smokes. He got his what lottery ticket. Yeah, he forgot to put the gas. <laughs> he in. forgot to pump. Yeah. <laughs> See, I know it doesn't look like now, uh, but it's getting better. We could have a sixty this Saturday. Bikers, be careful. You know that uh, there's still a lot of sand and ruts on the road, but you're getting ready for your season, and you're getting ready with DennisKirk.com. Minnesota company, the best in the business. They have more than 160,000 products in stock for you and your bike. It doesn't make any difference. It doesn't make any difference what kind of bike you drive, whether it's a Harley, a Cruiser, a sport bike, even Gardy's trike. They'll take care of you. They have it. And if you're in a hurry for something, uh, you place an order by 8 o'clock today, any day, and you'll get it tomorrow. That's hard to believe, but that's the way DennisKirk.com does business. DennisKirk.com, order today and get it tomorrow. How are you? Good. Motorcycle seasoning is, season is almost here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't have to hit anything. I, you don't have to hit anything. I'm not done with this airplane story. Got it. It's fascinating to me. Because uh, I so, I'm so enamored with the quality of, of, of airplanes that I, uh, again, I'm shocked every time I read these people who want to bitch and moan because the, they got a bump on their head because of severe turbulence, and the plane dropped a thousand feet. We were mm-hmm. shaking violently. And you mean to tell me the plane didn't fall apart? They don't stop to consider that. And, and number one, there's a risk. You go up in an aircraft, there's a risk no matter what. Well, it's a giant beer can with a couple of engines in right, it. Right, you know, right. Aluminum can. Uh, in any event, it'll be interesting to uh, to follow that Boeing story and and find if we ever get an explanation for how come this guy in the that in the jump seat knew about this mm-hmm. well my guess is it'll probably never happen again like you said because how do you think every that guy felt how do you think that guy felt he no sooner gets off that plane than it reloads with people and goes down he had saved their flight right he would save their flight so why would he have not relayed that information he would have reported we that. don't know that's a good question that would have been the first thing. The mechanics were there. Hey, we had the uh, AB toggle. This thing was going up and down. And I'm surprised that that aircraft went out or so, so the, soon. Did the it's pilot... not plausible that Boeing sold planes to people knowing that they'd porpoise. Of course not. Or that the pilot of the other flight that, that corrected itself, why didn't he then relay that information to the, to well, the, the, the pilots that took over? Well, That's I'm... what he's saying. That's what I'm saying. Scan I'm sure. Boy. I'm sure no. it was reported to the first. The mechanics, he said mechanics. Be, but the, the mechanics would be the first ones to go. Oh, what happened? So they'll get their paper out, and before the next crew is on, they'll come down and say, "Here's what happened on the last uh, flight with this." Because do these guys all know each other? If you if you fly for, you know, Delta, do you know the guys that are taking over? If you're flying to Phoenix. If they're from the same company, they'll usually will not see each other in passing. Okay. Because the crew that goes off will be gone, and there's 20 minutes before the other crew comes I, out. I would think this. If you just piloted one of these things, 
and it misbehaved, and you saved it from misbehaving, and you landed safely, you sure as hell are going to wait for the next pilot to come down the gangway, and you're going to talk to him about it. I don't think he's going to say, well, good luck to the next crew. I'm getting to the motel. No, no, I'm, I'm not dismissing it that easily. The, the mechanics would be there, yeah. and they would be, they would be the first well, ones I, I, to look at okay, it. Okay, but I'm, I, it's, it, I don't think it's a mechanical problem. It's, as an amateur looking at it, it, it's not a mechanical problem. It's a conveying of information problem. And the first line of defense is the mechanics who would write the report and then would report that to the pilots that come down the... Okay, if you want to be stubborn about it, you're creating... I'm not being stubborn. No, no. Well, you're creating a scenario where by the time all that paperwork went through its various channels, that plane might be an hour in the air somewhere. If they th- I'm saying the pilot on the incoming flight who experienced problems and corrected it would wait and tell the outgoing pilot. Oh, he's he survived. He wants to get home. Oh, you're no, no. But I'm telling you, that's the chain. My friend at the works my, in the airport. Okay. That's the chain of command. I understand the would, chain of command, you moron. I'm <laughs> telling you that they would forego the chain of command and say that pilot would have stood there and blocked the entrance to the plane. Maybe. He said, "Nobody get on this until I talk to the pilot." Maybe that pilot was a bad waiter and had an early golf game. Yeah, well. <laughs> you know who was a good mechanic? Cooter. He wouldn't have let that happen. Yeah, okay. No, okay. but yes, in theory, it would be great if hey, the pilots Christ. Uh, s- stuck around for an extra half an hour, but they don't. Even if Listen, there's... you dumb... <laughs> Hey Jim, I've been standing around here for forty-five minutes. Well, then minutes. your belief in the in humanity is is desperately flawed. You mean to tell me? Okay, wait a minute. I'm going to save him and you. You're do, not going. You can't. Do we know how long it was? Was it was the next flight fifteen minutes after? Was it the next day? Well, my experience has been. Uh, I'm usually getting on a plane that just arrived yeah, from somewhere. Usually turning. But do over. we know that in this case? What time did that flight take off? If it took That's, off at 8 in the morning, that plane might have arrived I'm gonna yesterday. I'm going to tell you this Here one more time. Here we go. And I don't want any dispute this time. Right. Your faith in humanity is pathetic. <laughs> Why? Because you're suggesting that a pilot lands Acme Airlines flight number three yep. at Minneapolis-St. Paul. Yep. And and he when he left Denver in that Acme airline flight, mm-hmm. it misbehaved for him. It was porpoising and porpoising and porpoising until he thought, okay, wait a minute. And then he flicks the switch and boom, smooth sailing all the way to Minneapolis. Yes. You're and you're telling me that guy would land, grab his briefcase and his coat, and go home. That's what you're saying. At, only after. The mechanics. Meet you the, and this mechanic crap have got to stop. Because, but the pilots aren't in charge of maintaining the aircraft. So this if, had nothing to do with the mechanics. It, the, there it was, had to do with uh, uh, dynamics in the cockpit. Right. Which the pilot, the first person he would meet off of the aircraft, is a guy with a clipboard right there. How is she? And usually they say she ran fine. Everything's great. At that point, when that pilot has all of his gear, he's going to say, uh, we had a porpoising deal, and this A-B switch either is malfunctioning or needs some help. Here's to the red, white, and blue! And they would get to work on it immediately. And the new pilot would be informed, probably because there would be a delay. All right. Thank you, Mr. Airport. Uh, says my So says my friend that works at the airport. Yeah. I, why are you continuing to hide that? Who gives a bleep? <laughs>
<laughs> I don't know. I thought when we were on the air, actually on the radio, we had to. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Come well, on out and see me. On I hope that another one doesn't go down. I have every reason to think that another one won't go down because of that. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. The word is out. I'm trying to think of an analogy, and you're right. We all have pilot listeners, and yes. I'm, we're either going to be ridiculed or somehow corroborated. Right. But I'm trying to think of an or analogy. Both. I'm trying to think of an analogy. Uh, if I'm, you bought a new Ferrari, okay, and you intended to drive at 140 miles an hour, uh, which it's fully capable of, okay. You would have needed to be told that at 112 miles an hour, you got to flick your rear spoiler button. Okay. Because that'll that'll keep you down on the ground. That'll that'll help you. That's not a good analogy. That's not a good analogy. Take a break. I'm going to try to think of an analogy. You have been inundated with countless home and auto insurance ads lately. Did you listen to the ads? What were they telling you? They are on your side? Well, I hope so. They've seen a few things. That's pretty obvious. I truly don't know about this one. You're in good hands and double check. What's that? What does any of this do for you? Nothing. They are all one company with one agent and no options. Call the Canopy Group. Their message is clear. You get 16 companies and 20 professionals. As your home and auto insurance needs change, the Canopy Group will help you find another insurance company to meet your individual needs. No fancy ads, just the simple promise of providing you with the best insurance coverage at the best price. New clients enjoy an average savings of over $600. Call the Canopy Group at 800-967-3389 or visit online at thecanopygroup.com. Would you uh, uh, tell me why we need to talk to Bobby? I put him on hold. It was a uh, it was a uh, drive-off story in uh, oh, Bobby? Frederick, Wisconsin. Yeah, Bobby, go ahead, please. Hey, Joel. Hi. Hey, I was the first ever uh, drive-off in Frederick, Wisconsin here pretty recently. You, you, uh, you drove off without paying? Uh, well, let's put it this way. I stopped in there frequently and uh, get my supplies and my lotto and pay for my gas, and then I usually go out and pump my gas and I leave. Uh-huh. Well, I I did what I thought I normally do, and I went back the next day, and there stood the manager with some money in his hand and told me uh, the first drive-off that prepaid his gas and didn't pump it. <laughs> That's wonderful. A reverse drive off. It's a wonderful. reverse drive off. <laughs> Great story. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I should get a ray of hope, and then I'm going to go back to fishing here. I'm out on Bowen Lake over here by Lufthansa. So. I'm going to give you that right here. You hang on the line. Here it comes. Just a minute. Thank you, sir. I, I can't find it. Just a minute. I'm going to get it, though, pal, because if anybody <laughs> deserves it, it's you. Here's today's ray of hope. Thank you. Thanks, y'all. Oh. 
University of Garage Logic, 98. College of Self-Esteem, zip, nada, nothing. Here's Joe Suchere. DennisKirk.com has more than 160,000 products in stock for you and your motorcycle. You know that season is just around the corner. It doesn't make any difference what kind of bike you ride. Dennis Kirk has you covered. Free shipping on orders over $89. DennisKirk.com is the best place to get your stuff. Do you guys know what the worst blizzard in history has been or was? Uh, and I, I was don't. shocked to learn this. I only learned it today uh, by virtue of uh, of uh, emailer uh, Tim, who writes, with the word historic being attached to so many weather events this winter, I wanted to discover what actually was the worst blizzard in history. I was shocked to discover that it occurred in the country of Iran, Iran, mm. almost a half century ago. Iran received 26 feet, not wow. inches, 26 feet of snow between Feb 3rd and 6th in 1972. The snow fell so fast for so long that it literally buried thousands of people in their homes who were hoping to wait out the storm. Rescue workers who'd been dropped onto the snowpack covering the village of Sheklab dug for two days straight, burrowing through eight feet of snow. There were no survivors in the village of 100. A second blizzard started up again on Feb 11, forcing rescue workers to abandon their efforts. As they retreated, Army helicopters left behind tons of bread and dates scattered over the hard-packed snow in the desperate hope that some people would be able to tunnel their way to the surface. None did. In all, 4,000 people were killed by this extraordinary act of nature. At the time, this event was covered as the tragedy it was without trying to assign human blame. If such an event were to occur in Iran today, you can't help but wonder how it would be exploited by the media to fuel climate change hysteria. Isn't that something? I did not know about this. I didn't either. 1972. And do you know why we don't know about it? Because the hysteria didn't exist in 72. Humankind still accepted acts of nature in 1972. It wasn't in the template of the news-gathering institutions in 1972 to offer up these extraordinary examples of nature as as proof of that humankind was ruining the earth. And here's the story. Uh, Forty years ago this week, this was written in February 7, 2012. I don't know why the emailer just reminded me of it now. May have just ran across it. This story was from Feb 7, 2012. Uh, Forty years ago this week, the deadliest blizzard on record ripped through the lower Caucasus Caucasus and into Iran, where it left 4,000 people dead. The blizzard of 1972, uh, as the hellish storm came to be known, wasn't your run-of-the-mill squall. It wiped out entire villages. 200 villages were wiped off the map. Wow. Coming on the heels of a series of storms in late January, the blizzard of 1972 traveled through, the, traveled through western Iran and into Azerbaijan from about Feb 3rd to Feb 8, dropping 26 feet of snow. That's a two-and-a-half-story building worth of snowfall. Wow. And snapping telephone lines, burying trains, entombing villages, and crushing cars. At the height of this blizzard, authorities estimated that a region about the size of Wisconsin spanning most of western Iran, was entirely buried for more than a week. Those who survived the uh, 13 below temperatures were without food, water, heat, and medical aid for days, and at a time when, just in case these people didn't have enough to deal with, a deadly flu virus was also moving through rural Iran. Isn't that something? I had no idea. I didn't. I mean, this might be because I'm an idiot, but I I don't ever uh, equate Iran to having heavy snowfall. 
Well, they have winter. Sure. <clears throat> I would I would love to go on a time machine to see what how that was covered on uh, by uh, you know CBS News. See if you can pull something up. Well, see if something comes up, Rook, on like YouTube. Uh, this would be seventy two was pre computers at newspapers, so you would literally have to look up. Well, be, would you be, have? It'd be local... fun to look it up on the New York Times on microfilm. Oh sure, or or would uh, or the Minneapolis or St. Paul paper on microfilm in seventy two? Did we have ABC's World News? Things well, you had, like you that. Had, you had network nightly news in nineteen seventy two. Well, would they have covered something like this? I'm, I'm sure it was covered, but it would not mm. have been covered. You're right. It, it it would not have been covered in the way it would have been covered today. Mm-hmm. The way it would the way it would be covered today is that uh, this would be an example of uh, weather extremes. Sure. And that it's our fault, and uh, we're all going to die. And and but my God, that I didn't know about this. That's a hell Two of a storm. Two and a half story <laughs> yes. deep. That's a hell of a storm. Wow. I did not know about that. The second worst storm in history was 2008 in Afghanistan. Even then, it wasn't offered as a uh, as a means of the world ending. Nature's been acting up for quite some time, fellas. Wait a minute. From the archives. Mm-hmm. This is a digitized version of an article from the Times print archive. New York Times. Okay. Uh, okay, this is it. Thousands of Iranian villagers were uncounted. Okay, let's go to a little bit lower. The storm laid a deep blanket of snow across northern, central, and southern Iran. The government began taking precautions. Keep going. I can read it faster flooding. than you can. Let's just cut to, to what we're all looking for. And that uh, it, that's it. That's it? That's what this. That was the length of the coverage. No way. Oh, it must have been. Maybe they didn't know anymore. Oh, subscribe and see the full article. Oh, you have come to go on. to the Times Machine, please. Uh, part of the New York Times. But I, uh, if, if if that had been offered as hysteria, you would have gotten it in these first ten paragraphs. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Isn't that amazing? <sighs> wow. I'm going to answer a question for Tim Burke. Okay. I'm sorry, Tim. It's not Burke. He, uh, I've seen his video. Uh, many people have. I think I have to clarify it for people. He provided me a video of an eagle sitting on the green of a golf course. Oh, I saw this, yeah. And the eagle picked up a guy's shot and dropped it into the cup. And uh, Tim wants to know, the scenario raises two questions. Does this count as a hole-in-one? And two, when you return to the clubhouse, are you obligated to buy a round for the boys? Uh, or perhaps two rounds, one for the eagle and another <laughs> for the eagle that helped you. Uh, no, that is not a hole-in-one. The ball, was, the ball was affected by an outside agency, and you must return the ball to where it was on the green. I saw mm-hmm. the video. Remind me, what was the, the was it a tournament, a PGA? What, what, what was no, it? No, it sounded like a bunch of Irish guys. Just guys out there. around okay. and laughing. Okay. And, uh, but I th- the rule is uh, the ball was affected uh so what is the rule? I looked it up. The first point is that the ball does not have to be recovered. If it is known or virtually certain that a player's ball at rest has been moved by an outside agency, wind, rain, sure, rabbit, right. eagle, uh, no penalty is incurred, and either the original ball or another ball must be replaced at the spot that the ball was moved from. That's Rule 18.1. Uh, this often causes confusion with players. A ball can only be replaced if the exact spot and lie are known. Obviously, when an outside agency has moved a ball, it is highly unlikely that the player will know the exact 
spot or lies, they could have been some distance away when it was moved. In a majority of cases, the exact spot and or lie will not be determinable, which means that a ball has to be dropped as near as possible to the estimated place where it lay, Rule 23C, except on a putting green where the ball must be placed as near as possible to where it lay. It is different if the ball is still in motion when it is deflected or moved by an outside agency. Rule 19.1 states that if a player makes a stroke from off the putting green and their ball is accidentally deflected or stopped by any outside agency, it is a rub of a green, there is no penalty, and the ball must be played as it lies. Well, in this case, the ball was at rest, and the eagle came along, picked it up, and you could hear the guy saying, drop it in the hole, drop it in the <laughs> hole, drop it in the hole, drop it in the hole, please, and it does. And they're laughing, Train. hole in one, hole Train in one. Bird. But it's not a hole in one. Uh, if I'm playing with placed. you four, yes, it is for me. I'm putting down one. Well, it's and, not. It's not a hole in and one. And then you're buying the round. Yeah, no, then you got. No, then I'm you're telling responsible. you not to tell anybody. <laughs> then you're responsible in the clubhouse. I got a hole in one, but don't tell anybody. Outside agency affected the ball. Not a hole in one. Outside agency. Golf is so precious. Why are you ruining I love golf it. For me? I love that part about. I love that about golf. <laughs> I love that about golf, that yeah. it's so, so steep. I better it's... call in the rules committee because I saw Tiger move right, a leaf. Yeah, we got a liar. <laughs> well, there was a ridiculous oh, a- occasion. Oh, who was that crackpot? No, there was a ridiculous occasion when Tiger had about 15 wrestlers from the audience lift up a boulder that weighed about the size of a house right. and moved it. I thought that was B as Did in B. Did they improve as, his lie? Didn't improve his li- That's a great question. They didn't improve his lie. Oh, what is it? What was the Stadler? An enhanced stance? Or? No, Stadler knelt on a towel under a pine tree, and some weenie watching on TV called in and said he built a stance. Oh, built a stance. Because all he was trying to do was keep pine sap off his trousers. Right. But Tiger had a rock move. It didn't improve his lie, but it gave him a shot to the green. Yeah, that doesn't I thought seem that like... was B as in yeah, B. Yeah, that shouldn't happen. Yeah. I'm not for that. That can't happen to us. If you're up at Dutch Cragen's place, first of all, he doesn't want you moving the landscape rocks around. I just hit them. Just hit the rocks. I just hit the damn thing. Who put this crap here, Dutch? Are you out of your mind? A guy like me could come and hit it and almost kill you. Oh, man. Does the, uh, does the announcement, speaking of golf, does the announcement of Phil coming here in July, does that do anything for anybody? Uh doesn't do anything for me personally. Uh, I think I think it's fascinating that we're getting a PGA Tour stop, and I wish it all the best. But I personally find golf one of the most difficult sports to actually watch in person. In person, mm-hmm. I've only done it once when we had the Ryder Cup, I've and been, I'm not a golf guy at all. I've been there many times. I've Unless you want to be times. a rowdy beer drinker for the college kids. Well, That's... you think this isn't going to be a rowdy? I mean, they're already bringing in musical acts, and it's over the Fourth of July. Mm-hmm. There's going to be fireworks and. But won't that, because we are, during holiday weekends, we've, we're up at the cabins. We're, so is that going to hurt them? No. You don't think so? No, because percentage of people, very few go to the lake compared to the people who stay behind. No, well, it's true. Hey, now, if Mickelson's name was mentioned in this college thing. Right. Is that because... Oh, yeah. So was Gretzky. Is that because he was trying to get his kids in and buy a little... Do we not know yet? I don't... I, I'm I'm uninterested because what I've learned from this college scam story is that uh, this is done all the time. Not to the extent these Hollywood fools paid as much money as they did, but apparently there are people in business that well-to-do people go to and say, what can I? What can we do here to help my kid mm-hmm. get into school? 
Okay. Like the one kid who, you know, the kid that had the six-pack but not the plastic thing that holds it together. Yes. The old man went to Princeton and they said, well, International Airport. <laughs> yeah. I can uh, I can tell you for sure that this topic was thoroughly discussed on Table Talk with Rookie's Family. I can imagine it would New episode out, yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, with a little... Um, with a little twist that might surprise what, what you. What conclusion did you come to? It's bad. <laughs> it's not a good thing. It's not a good and thing. And we, we plugged Garage Logic, so the, the sister the wave. Uh, the sister podcast, the table talk with Rookie's family uh, found on Podcast <laughs> One, kind of uh, we, a little exchange, a little uh, double promotion there. You know, you're not there yet, but you might get to the point where your daughter's engagement ring is going to be bigger than the current missus. Yeah. I didn't mean to say current as though you're going to have a subsequent right, missus. I hope not. But it could get to the point where your daughter's engagement ring is bigger than your wife's. Yep. That's when you need to get the molar because they've been helping guys like us with that problem for 67 years. You know what they'll do? Hmm. They're going to take your original diamond, your wife's original diamond. They'll take it in on trade and provide you with a diamond that's going to really, really blow her socks off every time she looks at it. Let me tell you, I did that with earrings. Yeah. They, I traded up with, you can the, do with diamond earrings over the years. They are fabulous. Well, they got a staff of registered jewelers, certified gemologists. You know what the copy says? Geologists. I don't think Moeller has any geologists on board. Uh, the only geologist I know works at the Groveland Tap, and he's the general manager. I'm calling them gemologists and certified gemologist appraisers. They'll show you the difference between a Moeller diamond and all the rest. And if it's price you're worried about, Rookie can vouch for me. I can vouch for myself. Moeller's never lost a sale. Because of price. And if you don't believe us, look uh, look at the online reviews. Mm-hmm. R.F. Moeller Jeweler, 50th in France in Edina. Ford in Cleveland in St. Paul. Gavaday Common in downtown Minneapolis. Or on the web at rfmoeller.com. You'll learn more here by accident than elsewhere by design. Here's Joe Suchere. You recall I was uh, I was amazed that, uh, and I offered it up as an example of the power of the universe and the power of nature. We had that uh, uh, meteorite explosion off Russia last mm-hmm. December, mm-hmm. about 10 Hiroshima bombs or whatever. Yeah. And we didn't know about it. Nothing. It, because it fell into the sea and nothing nothing ever happened. Well, Chief Offsite Correspondent Kelsey said, we didn't hear about it. Because, because neither Ilhan Omar nor Alexandria Occasional Cortex commented on it. Boom! See, that's, Whoa, that's why we didn't. That's why, why is, we didn't hear. Why about we didn't hear about it? Which is funny, but probably accurate. That's right. Uh, uh, Lloyd writes, longtime listener and enjoying the podcast because now I never miss a show. Just thought that the fireworks commissioner would approve of my stash. From July of 2017. Look at that stash. Holy cow. Oh Look my at God. that stash. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. This year I've been e- I have even more to fire as I didn't make it to the cabin on July 4, 2018. So all of that is left, plus what I've added since. I will send a photo the first week of July of this year's stash. My neighbor and I at the lake have been competing for years. I finally outdid him three years ago and have not lost since. We blow them off together, and the families and other cabin dwellers watching from boats all enjoy the show. It takes about an hour to get it all done. Minnesota does allow fun one day a year, at least at the lake. I'm not saying what lake, because you never know who was listening, but I'm in the Pequot Lakes area. Way north. Oh, I bet that's a hell of a show. That's a fun one. Mm -hmm. And especially the boom you get and the uh, 
The lights you get, the off of the lake, the reflections, fantastic. Remember, I told you the kid elbowed me in 2008, summer of 2008. We're on the lake watching all the surrounding fireworks from Aiken and Brain or whatever. Yep. And he, he said, this is what Obama doesn't get. Well, now you can just use a new name. This is what Ilhan Omar and Occasional Cortex don't get. Mm-hmm. That sea of people. They've worked their asses off to have a lake place. They're out on the 4th of July with their family. They got their red and green bow lights going in the yep. lit stern pole, and they're all at rest. The engines are off. They're waiting for the fireworks displays to happen. They can see them in the horizon everywhere mm-hmm. they look. That's what Ilhan Omar and Occasional Cortex don't get. That's America. That's what I'm That's saying. That's America. That's what I told you. Hmm. This is what I'm discussing. This is what I'm discussing. That's why you got to watch that. And they're never going to get it. You can't. Uh, that's like you said. You, your whole life working. That's it's just a. It's a state of mind, especially for the Fourth of July. Why? Why don't they get? I, I know why Ilhan Omar doesn't. She wasn't. Uh, she hasn't been here the, her entire life. Okasia Cortex. What? How long has she been here? Forever. Yeah, she's born in America. Okay, then she's twenty nine. I don't know why she doesn't get it because that wouldn't be part of their milieu. That wouldn't be part of their environment. You know, on the Fourth of July, I doubt if occasional cortex has a picnic at some lake. She probably hangs out on the you know Upper West Side yeah, of Manhattan. Okay. You know, but that ain't all bad either. You know, well, if you can get it. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you this when I'm done, Reeves. You can have it for tomorrow's beer show, please. GL Crew, I try and listen every day, but right before Thanksgiving, I was golfing out here in Phoenix, and I stumbled. No alcohol involved, uh, by the way. While walking off a green and stepped down just so, I broke two bones in my right foot. So needless to say, I'm getting caught up on past episodes. Listening to Hour 1 of December 19, 2018 broadcast, you were talking about what beer was called Diesel and other <laughs> such names. Remember that, you oh, guys? Yeah. yep. Someone brought up Pfeiffer beer, which immediately brought up a memory for me. 1988, I had moved from Phoenix back to my home state of Minnesota. I was 22 years old, still trying to get established. For the first few months I lived in Minnesota, I lived with my oldest sister and her husband and kids in Little Canada. One of the conditions of my rent was to buy the beer every other week. My brother-in-law always bought two to three cases of Pfeiffer returnable bottles from a liquor store on Little Canada Road and Lakeshore Avenue, just east of Rice Street. One of the first weeks it was my t- on one of the first weeks it was my turn. I walked into that liquor store with two cases of empty fifers. The guy behind the counter took the empties, went in the back, and got me two new cold cases. He told me, "You know, there's only one other guy I keep this crap cold for." <laughs> <laughs> There's only one other guy I keep this crap cold for, and now you're buying it too? I laughed and described my brother-in-law and said, is that the guy you keep it cold for? Yep, it was him. (laughs) He laughed and told me I need to get my bro-in-law to update his taste, if I remember right. It was about five bucks a case, and the empties were credited. Little did I know it was such a crappy beer. Hell, I was 22. I didn't know any better. Nowadays, both of our taste buds have matured, and I would never drink that swill again, even on a dare. Love the podcast. Hope it lasts for years and years and years. So do we. Good luck, Chris Harkman in Phoenix, Arizona. That is spectacular. I've, it, you want that? Yes, please, please. You got a little fun with that. Is is I know I'm not familiar with Pfeiffer. Are oh, you guys? P F F I F E R, whatever yeah, it was. I, I my dad used to drink it. 
Right along with Fox so, is Deluxe. this the we don't have any money beer? Yeah, this is the, okay. This is the bottom. Well, I'm of the not barrel. even sure that would have been the case because back in the day of Pfeiffer, all beer was about this. There wasn't anything that would have cost you your arm and a leg. Not, it's like, not like today. The craft Brewery Volt. Okay, you know you can pay a lot for a four pack these days of craft beer. Yes, you can. Right. Some of us do. <laughs> I want to remind you one more time about Moeller. They've been taking care of people for 67 years. Uh, uh, when you're buying gifts uh, for your family, you're, you're not, for example, a watch, you're not buying something to tell time with. You can do that on your phone. You're buying an heirloom. You're buying, you're buying history. You're buying love for your family at all the RF Moeller Jewelers stores, 50th and France and Edina, Ford Parkway, Cleveland, and uh, Gavaday Common in downtown Minneapolis, rfmoeller.com. See, I've had a lot of fun with uh, Mayor uh, Chris Carter. Not, what's his name? Melvin Carter. Melvin Carter the third. Okay, I'm gonna tip my cap to him. Really? Yeah. Give me something to uh, tip my cap to, Melvin Carter, the mayor. Well, he's got so many people around him. He doesn't really. Uh, what the hell are you looking at on that thing? Uh, I just brought up Pfeiffer. Uh huh. Pfeiffer Brewing Company. Was it a, was it a, a Detroit beer? God bless me. I believe so. Would you just have a Roycey like I sneezed, but I didn't want to sneeze into the uh, into, into the, the microphone. microphone. I thought that was a great execution, sir. Uh, Carter has sixteen people in his immediate cabinet. He really doesn't ever have to do anything. Right. But he just delegates. He parachuted into Harriet Island <laughs> I yesterday. Saw the I, I did see this. on the back yeah. of a of a guy who knows how to parachute. Obviously, Sean McCormick. It was a Red Bull deal, right? Yeah, because the Flugtag is coming back. Flying Day. I would watch that. I went to the first one. Oh, you did? Yeah. Did you love it? Yeah, but first, let me tip my hat to uh, Carter. Okay. I don't think I would have had the cojones to jump out at twelve thousand feet holding on to a guy. Uh. Uh-uh. I would be afraid, uh, but I would like to do that. They landed like a bee on a butterfly. I saw that video. It was, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, good for him. And he's bringing this to St. He's not bringing this to St. Paul. Red Bull is. You ever been to the Flugtag? There was one in uh-uh. 2010. And I'll tell you what, get there early. It's, we're up on the bluff on Kellogg and we could hardly see it. It's so packed. Yeah. And it's teams of people. You have to make a homemade flying device. And I've you, seen the news video, but I haven't seen you, it in you person. Run off a, you run off a platform that's 30 feet high, and the winner is... Who gets to fly that thing the longest? Right. Most of them just go straight down. Right. Boom, they're in the drink. Because you're half in the bag to do well, this in the first that's place. That's what I was going to say. I love the guys that clearly know this thing's going straight down, and they don't, they just jump off of it right away. In 2010, the Invergrove Heights-based Major Trouble in the Dirty Dixies, led by 27-year-old Rachel Norman, flew their manned glider 207 feet, breaking the previous record of 190 feet before an audience of 90,000 spectators. Wow. That was fun. It was. It's another, you know, young person's uh, let's drink beer afternoon, but it's really fun. At Jersey's on Concord in Invergrove Heights, they have pictures of the flutag, uh, like of that, that were take time lapse, mm-hmm. and also they have one of the... Um, the the uh, what do you what would you call them? They're not ships. They're not aircraft. Whatever the apparatus is that they fly in is the you on the about? ceiling. What, what would you so call the, the, the cockpit, actual the cockpit of one of the? You uh, have to make your own. It's like the milk carton boat race. Only it's yes, an airplane. Yes. The record uh, uh, is held by the Chicken Whisperers, who flew two hundred and fifty eight feet in twenty thirteen during the Red Bull Flugtag. In Long Beach, California. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, do you go off of a... It's, I know the where you go into the water is flat, but is there a ramp 
so you can gain some acceleration? Or is it just a straight shot? Right here. There it is right there. It <laughs> is a straight shot. We are watching we on YouTube. They just go, go, uh, YouTube the top 10 Red Bull flu tag crashes. And, uh, yeah, you, you run on a ramp, and then you just, like those guys just bailed. <laughs> he went head first into the drink. Look at this. Oh. That's a pretty hard hit, too. Yep. Uh, yeah, if you go to YouTube, you can see the top ten crashes. Levi Lavalley was involved. Oh, was he? Uh, I, I'm a little puzzled by the writing here. Levi uh, Lavalley is snowmobiler. the snowmobiler. Yeah. St. Paul Mel- Melvin Carter and professional athlete Levi <clears throat> Lavalley made one of the more adventurous entrances of their career. Both men jumped from an airplane 12,000 feet in the air while tied to professional skydivers. Okay, so both Carter and Lavalley okay. uh, were uh, tied to professional uh, skydivers, and I believe the mayor uh, was flying at the courtesy of Sean McCormick. Watch this guy. Oh. <laughs> well, have you ever ridden your bicycle off a dock? Oh, sure. That hurts. Yes, it does. Yes. That hurts, and these guys are going a lot further. Look at this. This <laughs> is she, nuts. And she's still hanging on. She oh. came close to hitting the edge. It's a though. fun event. Look well, at this. Oh. That Whoa. could be a winner. That could be a winner. You know, uh, just the other day, I had a, a relative in from out of town, and we I don't know how we got down this road. Look at the tail on that one. But I showed him <laughs> Levi's uh, flipping the snowmobile at Nicollet Mall during the Super Bowl. Oh, wow. And that's still, it's pretty cool to watch him do that. Was that when he went through the city? Yes. That was one of the coolest videos. He's going up oh, and no, down no, no. the steps. Well, that was St. Paul. That was oh, different. Okay. okay. And, and we and we watched that one, too. But this was on Nicollet Mall in Minneapolis when he did the flip during the Super Bowl. That was fabulous. And uh, you can check. I hope. I'm going to the flu talk. you got to go. We're going to the flu talk. To just, check that out. It's insanity. How if about a live think, GL show from this, the flu talk? Look at the whole plane fell apart. <laughs> it's supposed oh. to be a bathtub, and it just took flight. All right, thank you very much, okay. GLers. All right, that is Garage Logic. If you want to catch up, say when you're going on spring break, catch up on all those podcasts that you have missed on Garage Logic. Go to garagelogic.com, check them all out, and you will be caught up completely as soon as your vacation is over. Garagelogic.com also is the home of our features in Garage Logic, where you can see what's on Joe's bookshelf in Author's Corner. Also see the creations that Greg Holcomb has made. He really captures Garage Logic. Also, iTunes. Yep, rate us on Apple iTunes. Check it out. It's garagelogic.com. We love your feedback, good, bad, or indifferent. Thanks for listening to the podcast, Garage Logic. We'll catch you next time.